I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Uh, and you know, if you read, like, I don't know, news reports, statistics, things like that, you will see oftentimes that the church is losing people. Uh, people are walking away. People that even were raised in a church or leaving and not coming back. Of course, after COVID, it kind of really just shook things up. A lot of people haven't come back. A lot of people have. A lot of new people have come in. So it's this kind of wild uh, time for the church in, in a culture that seems to be embracing darkness and the church trying to figure out how are we going to be a light without being a just a uh, I don't know, a pain <laughs> in everybody's side, you know, how do we fit? How do we fit in this culture in the right way without compromising our values? I think would be a, a good way to look at it. Well, we're going to talk to someone that I just found out was a consultant for the church that I attend now, did not know that, but he is a consultant for a company called uh, Arxano, which does a lot of consulting with churches to, to help them how to, you know, present the gospel in a way that um, is true. Uh, but yet also is engaging because the, the, the gospel, it's attractive, you know, not everyone's going to come, but it shouldn't be, it shouldn't necessarily push people away. And I, and I get there's some dynamics there, but there's a book called mind the gap. Uh, and, and I think the gap is sort of what we're talking about. What's the missing part? What, what are we missing in the church? where we're not connecting with people. So interesting conversation for all of us in the church. If you're in church leadership, very interesting. But if you're just interested in connecting with the culture in a positive way where the gospel can influence their lives, I think this will be a fun one. Um, my guest name is Clint Greider. Uh, and like I said, he's with a company called Oxano. He's also an ordained pastor and a Baylor grad, Sikkim Bears, as well as uh, some education at A&M, a PhD, I think from A&M, yeah. So gigum. You're in my backyard. Clint, welcome to Life Today Live. <laughs> so good to be here, uh, Randy. Thanks again for just the inspiration that you and your parents have provided to so many for so many years. Oh. Uh, great to be here. I appreciate that. You know, when we say the word consultant, we're like, okay, what what does that mean? And we're talking about fixing the church. It's like, <laughs> how are you qualified to fix the church? Tell us a little <laughs> bit about kind of your experience in education and, and how that's been implemented to help people. Yeah, yeah, no, ha happy, happy to do that. I, I come from a higher education and a nonprofit leadership uh, background. And so my master's was in educational psychology and my doctoral research was in process improvement and group dynamics. So <laughs> I've always had this fascination with what makes people tick and what ideas, uh, what things in organizations tend to stick uh, with people and what don't. And so uh, I worked in research universities and Christian universities, and, and over the years, God stirred in me a deeper and deeper passion for his people and his church. And, and ultimately, that did lead me to uh, being ordained as a pastor, serving in the local church, also in parachurch ministry, where uh, I've worked with hundreds of churches uh, across the country. Uh, and that ultimately led to what I'm doing now, where I get to travel um, uh, quite a bit across the country, working with churches, ministries, and individuals who are just seeking to be more effective at what God is calling them to. Now, that's interesting because, uh, you know, one thing I do get 
here is to talk to a lot of pastors and people in different churches and you kind of it's almost like a survey of of what's going on out there and that can be very interesting and instructional what are you seeing when you go to these different churches yeah you, you know uh, i i'm going to answer that in a way that you might not be expecting i was once talking with a pastor uh, and he's uh, he's a good friend, but he had been a pastor uh, pastor for over 20 years and serving in multiple churches. Many people would say uh, his name was John. Many people would say that that John was the pastor of very successful churches. And, and yet, confidentially, uh, in, in a separate conversation, we were having coffee uh, together. He said, "You know, Clint, uh, if I'm honest, we've realized that over the past 20 years, we've been designing things to create numbers." instead of to change lives. And uh, again, this is this is not an intentional thing, right? I, I mean, this is, you know, God had been moving. There were people coming to know him. There were a lot of good things happening. But the fascinating thing is that in a lot of cases, the things that the church is doing is reaching a few at the expense of the many. There are gaps between what they're intending and what is actually happening. And, and that's what this book and this uh, this project uh, is intended uh, uh, to help solve. Do Are you familiar with, with the term butts in seats campaign? <laughs> Absolutely, I've heard that once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> right, and, and that, I mean, it's an interesting thing because it's something, you know, when a church does something to bring a lot of new people in, to get them into the church, which would allow them to minister, but is, is there a, is there a gap there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's really common, isn't it? You, you know, because we want there to be more people coming, mm -hmm. right? That yeah. it's not an issue where that's not important. We want people to be engaged. Uh, the issue comes when we gauge our success at spiritual formation at actually helping people to grow mm -hmm. based on just their attendance because people can attend certain things and be coming for all kinds of reasons and there could be some disconnects you know there could be some dissonance where some things make sense they could even be nodding let's say you're preaching uh, on a sunday morning i once had a pastor say gosh people are nodding at me they're they're smiling at me in fact they even said what a great sermon uh, it was. And then a few months later, when we're actually talking about living that out, it was as if it just didn't connect. Mm. Um, the, the other thing that sometimes is a concern for some pastors and, and leaders in ministry is they'll use spotlighted stories of, of true transformation, of, of life change that does happen. And and again, we praise God for those, right? We, we, we thank him, we praise him when he shows up, when he, when he changes lives. And yet the problem comes when you're evaluating what you're doing based on those few stories mm. instead of the rest of the church or the rest of your potential reach. And, and so sometimes I'll say uh, a pastor or leader, are you judging your success based on the 10% who are testifying to a changed life or the 90% who aren't? Are there some things in the way we design things today in this crazy, fast-paced world that we live in uh, are there some ways we could design things to actually be much more effective at helping people on their spiritual journey across our entire reach? I'm guessing that uh, one of the gaps for the average churchgoer, the person who loves the Lord, um, loves their church, you know, want, wants to see uh, their church be effective in their community, is relying too much on the pastor to do everything. Yeah. Is that yeah, a uh, it happens quite often, Randy. I appreciate your calling that out because it, it's counter. It's a bit counterintuitive. You, you know, pastors 
are called to share the gospel, but they're also called to make disciples who are making other disciples, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's a little bit like I, I watched one of your broadcasts not long ago, and you talked about your former church that as you left the church, mm -hmm. it had a sign or something, you know, along the lines of, okay, now it's time to be the church, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> now go and be the church the rest of the week. Yep. Well, uh, story after story after story, I, I hear pastors, you know, coming and saying, you know what, it, it feels like we're, we, we are reaching some, but we have a fundamental inability to actually unleash the power of disciple makers to the extent that we could. And those are the gaps that we're talking about here that can uh, that can really uh, uh, change some paradigms and make a huge difference in people's lives. Well, I see that the, the leadership obviously has a role because if the leadership's not on board, it's going to be real hard to do anything. But it sounds mm -hmm. a little bit like really the onus is on the average Christian to step up uh, and and fill the gap themselves. Now, obviously, the like I said, the pastor, the staff, the structure of the church has to sort of uh, foster that environment. But how do we how do we get there? Yeah, yeah. As the Gospel of Mark reminds us, you, you know, Mark 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 tells us we we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. And then to love our neighbors as ourselves, right? And those are the greatest commandments. And 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 the, the, the issue becomes that many people struggle to do that in a very personal and practical way. Right. Because there's certain things that the church does that helps them. And then there's other things that feel disconnected, right? Have you ever um have you ever been in church where there is a ministry or an event happening and then some other ministry or event happening somewhere else in, in the same church? And they kind of feel like they're not connected. It feels like you could even attend or be a part of something, but but it feels like you're either just repeating something or you're jumping from one thing to the next. And it's not a natural flow based on where you actually are in your life. Have, have you ever sensed that? Um, not, not in those terms. What I have seen is that you, and part of this can be okay and natural, but clicks tend to form in the church. You know, yeah. uh, but, yeah. but at the I think there's a fine line there because, you know, um, people in the worship ministry tend to, they, they have similar interests, you know, people, if you go, you go singles or couples or young, young adults, I mean, some of those classifications make sense because they allow you to fellowship, but they, it can also become disjointed like you're talking about. Yeah, there's a there's a metaphor that I like to use sometimes that that I think helps to begin illustrate uh, some of the issues that we deal with, uh, especially in our world today. Uh, have you ever been to London? Have uh, you spent some time there? I, I I have. In fact, I'll be there very soon. <laughs> <laughs> Going back, but, so there, so you're familiar with the London Underground, yep. then this, the big subway system there. So, uh, so for those of your viewers who perhaps aren't familiar with the London Underground, it is the largest and oldest subway system in the world, mm -hmm. and so it's pretty fascinating when you get into the inner workings of it and you find out um, uh, some of the details. But when you go into the stations, there is this kind of warning that says mind the gap, which is the namesake of the book. And uh, and, and I found in, in my research and working with a lot of churches that it's helpful uh, uh, to look at this uh, just just in terms of, uh, of a metaphor and a way to think about it. So the London Underground is comprised of trains, stations and destinations. 
And, and so if the destinations are those destinations of spiritual fruit, of the sensitivities, of, of the, the outflow uh, of our lives uh, that God desires for us, well, if we are going to be a help to people, whether it's us as individuals or the church, if we're going to be a help to people to get to those destinations, we have to design the right stations and the right trains that will uh, move them toward that. And so uh, stations are those things that, that happen. They're more short-term events or they're more focused opportunities in our lives individually or, or that a church might conduct. Mm-hmm. Trains are those ongoing things, those ongoing habits. They could be ongoing uh, uh, disciplines or ongoing activities within a church construct. Um, the big idea here, though, is that every station does not get people onto every train. And every train does not get people to the right destinations that we're intending. And so the issue comes when we aren't connecting people to the right stations that point them to the right trains that actually move them toward the specific destinations that God has for them. And again, these have to be uh, communicated in a much more personal and practical way, especially in today's world, than uh, many churches have historically done. All right, you you got some pictures to illustrate some of your points, <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out how they fit in here because I'm I'm looking at these. <laughs> I'm guessing they're from the London Underground. I don't see any of those red signs. That Absolutely. What, what? Yeah, there are some. What are, What are these? What are the illustrations? And what are? Yeah, what are so we, these are. Yeah, this kind of helps to personalize it a, a bit more. Um, so so there's some people. A, a bit of the uh, conversation we were having a, a, a moment ago that that might feel. You know what? I'm I'm on a train in my life. I, I'm trying to get involved in doing something. Maybe it's a personal habit, but it feels like I'm just going in circles. Or or it could even be some kind of ongoing event or ministry in a church, and they're involved in this. But it doesn't feel like it's moving them toward a destination, <laughs> yeah. and so and so it kind of feel right. Yeah. And so, well, we're repeating this, we're doing this, we think we're supposed to do this, but is it really, you know, growing me? Is it really growing me as a disciple maker? Um, or, or maybe some people have an experience um, uh, where, where they feel that they're rushing toward a station and they think it's the right place, but it's locked. The gate is locked, and they're mm-hmm. not able to get in. There are barriers there, or, or there's lack of clarity. There, there may be signage. Uh, by the way, these are actual pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, that there, there's signage in some stations that's just blank, and you don't <laughs> have an idea where you're going. Right, so you're going down into this, and you don't know, you know, where, where are we going? Or, or perhaps you're looking for a train. You really are. You're earnest to look, look. Hey, what, what can I begin doing on a regular basis? Yeah. But you feel you don't have the help. Uh, uh, to get there, or you don't have the community around you, um, which some of the other pictures represent. And so these are the kind of very personal things that if churches aren't incredibly clear about how they define destinations, and they're not also incredibly clear about how they're going to determine where their people really are in relation to those, then there's no way they can design the right stations and trains to get them there. Yeah. And, you know, you can, Anybody who's been in church for any period of time can see some of these things that pop up. Um, I'm just curious, just from a 30,000-foot view, being in a lot of different churches, I mean, you know, we've seen some pretty sizable and disturbing failures uh, in the last, Mm -hmm. you know, 10 years. Um, And now you can go back to any period of time and probably find them. But um, what, what what do you think about some of the models 
where church has shifted, you know, uh, and, and it does bring in some people. It rankles some other people, whether it's the worship style, whether it's a, uh, I've heard, literally heard people complain about having coffee in the church. And I'm like, that's awesome. I don't have to stop on the way, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, but, but, but to think that you have to have coffee in church would be like that. That's not what church is for. So, I mean, you kind of see these trends come and go. Um, how do we, I don't know. What, what, what's your thoughts on some of the different models to, I guess, attract people or keep them in? What are, what are we, are we, is that okay? Are we too focused on it? How does, what, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I think I, I actually say often, Randy, that pastors need to stop embracing models from other places hmm. and start embracing outcomes in their own context. Hmm. And, and so I think especially, you know, today where it's so easy to go to a conference or, or, or to, uh, you, you know, to get, to, to get a tweet or to, you know, to, um, uh, to jump to what other places are doing and to say, oh, gosh, it was successful in this other place. So let's apply it here. And the vast majority of the time, what we see when this happens is it doesn't work the same way. Yeah. Uh, and that shouldn't surprise us, right? Different people, different contexts, different community, different mm-hmm. circumstances that people find themselves in. And so it, it's almost this this angst, this sense of frustration. And I've, and I've heard it more times than I can count where leaders will say, it feels like we're jumping from thing to thing to thing. We're trying to chase the next great model or the next great thing uh, when they're completely missing the opportunity to get more specific about the outcomes that they're going for in their context so that they can filter those things more rightly, more properly. And and so let me give you, let me give you some examples. I can give you some very specific examples of this from churches that I think will help uh, be insightful. When, when you hear me talk about outcomes and you hear me talk about destinations, uh, what, what I'm, what I'm talking about is churches need to get much more clear than they ever have about the personal and practical parts of someone's life that relate to them being a Jesus follower. And so, uh, so I've I've got some right here from uh, some different churches, you know, one church phrased one of those destination examples like this, I find myself becoming more and more sensitive to the spirits prompting throughout my day. Is that something that characterizes my life more and more? Is that something that always or often does? Um, that same church added one where they said, I know the character traits and the word of God well enough to discern between the spirit's voice and other things I might hear or think. How about that one with the constant flow of information? And and, and then they can get really practical. What about um, when someone wrongs me, I find myself responding first with compassion and curiosity about what might be going on in their life? That's convicting, isn't it? <laughs> At times, right? Um, uh, how about I have rhythms in my life that allow me to recharge through Sabbath, rest, and retreats? Or um, I cultivate genuine friendships with non-believers to learn about one another's lives and faith journeys. The kinds of things that begin to help churches and help people make these outcomes, the fruit much more practical. There are ways to actually measure this in churches that aren't weird, 
that aren't legalistic or that don't, you know, they don't feel like you're putting the spirit in a box or any of that. There, there are ways to do this where you can actually get a feel across your entire congregation or those you're trying to reach. Sometimes we'll do uh, community surveys even throughout an entire community to get a real handle on what people actually are experiencing related to these these kinds of first person statements in their life. Uh, what are they relating to or what are they not relating to? What what are normative in their life if they call themselves a Jesus follower? What's norm- normal for them? Mm-hmm. Or, or, or what are they not experiencing? And when you begin to get a feel for that, all of a sudden you can start to create the right stations and trains based on where they are. And then you can determine if what you're doing is having the desired effect moving forward. Do, do, you, do we have a problem with churches being a little too... Um corporate in a sense and less uh relational or or are we doing pretty good on the relationship front yeah i I think it really varies from church to church doesn't it i mean there's there's different tendencies Uh, i i think uh, i think what's important in evaluating that is to go to the word of god (laughs) and to look at what it teaches us um and so through through much of my research um you know, I found over the centuries what tends to work in organizational dynamics, what tends to work in process improvement is so biblical. <laughs> it, like, it should not shock us, right? I mean, I've like, got a real, a real shocker like what? Uh, of a statement there. Yeah, it's uh, there. Well, well, they're the kinds of things that that are connecting. These are the kinds of things. So, so let me use a biblical example to illustrate this. Yeah. When we look at both the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see so many illustrations of shepherding, of farming, of building, of fishing, of work in the vineyards. Um, What doesn't happen a lot of times in churches as they plan what they're doing is to overlay those. And so if you overlay those, what are the principles that 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 scripture teaches us? There, There are things like there's a patterned activity to relationships. There, uh, there's this tendency of needing to have keen observation about what's going on in those relationships, what actually is going on in people's lives on their journeys, and what is not going on. These are things that many churches have not tracked uh, very, very well. Um, they, they adapt quickly to circumstances. You cannot be a shepherd. You cannot be a builder. You cannot be a farmer, as is described to us in Scripture as Jesus describes to us, if you're not being extremely attentive. There's also this beautiful handing down of practical knowledge from one generation to another. Mm -hmm. And so it's this beautiful picture of disciple to disciple, person to person. And, And in a fascinating way, they also each embody a system, not systems, And so, uh, once again, in many churches, we have a system for children's ministry, or we have a system for our groups, or we have a system for something else. And what happens sometimes is those can independently be run, but they can even have their own purposes. They can choose their own curriculum. They do a whole lot of different things that aren't connecting the dots for people. And so, once again, it feels like uh, there, there are gaps between what people are experiencing. And this is why we see in so many churches some things sticking and some things not, because yeah. we're not designing to close those gaps. Yeah. <laughs> How about youth ministry? There's a gap in most churches. <laughs> just just to be a <laughs> merry-go-round uh, of leadership in there. But let me, let me ask you this: Do you, one of the complaints um, about my former church was, you know, well, any church 
Well, you know, they're really not good in this area. In other words, they don't have this train. And my response was, yeah, I mean, they, they don't try to have that train, right? They don't have a station that says they have this train going to this destination and it just doesn't show up. It's like they literally don't have that. Mm-hmm. Can churches be all things to all people or is it okay for a church to be, you know, we're we're this kind of church, which means we we don't have everything that maybe this church does, but we're we're there for to reach a different people group, you know. Um because I think sometimes a lot of pastors and a lot of people in the church get frustrated trying to, to build all the stations and run all the trains. It's just too much for some organizations, some yeah. congregations. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. And this is, this is where we have to get clear about the destinations that we're called uh, to individually and as as a particular church, you know, and this is this is a sensitive area because there are many churches over the years that when they see other churches doing something, or or they even look at Acts one eight and they say, hey, we're supposed to reach uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, mm-hmm. and so we need to be doing more, 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 more. And, and it's pretty fascinating when you dig deeper into that, what, what has happened is so much is being done in certain churches that it's an inch deep, whereas God right. may be calling. He may be knocking at the right. door and saying, wait a minute, I've got a church up the road that I'm calling to this. I have equipped you very uniquely for my kingdom purposes to lean into some very specific things. Yeah. The problem is many churches jump too far with that. And they actually oversimplify what they're doing, and they aren't crystal clear about what they're called to be and do, and they're not crystal clear about the context to the point where it gets personal and practical for their people. They use loftier terms (laughs) and say, because we're simpler, just because we're simpler, that's automatically going to result in spiritual formation. And so you can err on both sides of that spectrum. So at the end of the day, what do we do to be more effective in the church? What is it, especially the average person? Because, I mean, most most people watching aren't pastors. They're too busy trying to <laughs> man all the stations, uh, you know, watch something like this. But you got a lot of Christians who, you know, they want their church to be more effective. They, they want it to minister to more people. Uh, they want to disciple people. Uh, what does the average person do to, to kind of fill that gap? Yeah, I, I, uh, I want to say two things. First, from an individual perspective, all of us could take the principles in this book and apply them to our personal lives. Because for all of us, as we lean into Scripture, as, as, as we seek God, as He fills us with His Spirit, and, and as He leads us to certain points, there are more and more things that He's going to call us to do and to be intentional about in our families, in our workplace, uh, to reach others with the gospel. Um, and so designing stations and trains that are consistent with the destinations that we're called to is something that each of us individually can do. But, but I also really want to want to challenge uh, your viewers. If, if you're viewing this right now, or you're listening to this right now, God is calling you to be a leader in your church. Mm-hmm. He is calling you to be a leader where you live, work, and play. And, and so we are the church, right? <laughs> it's not the pastor's job to be the church. We are the church. And so if we're called to be the church, uh, then, then we are called to lead in a gracious but intentional way uh, uh, to, uh, to continue to reach more and more people with the gospel. 
Yeah, so don't listen to this and think, boy, I wish my pastor would listen to this. He'd do a better job of being the church. <laughs> You're listening to this because God's calling you to be the church. Isn't that right? <laughs> Absolutely. Clint, I uh, appreciate you. Appreciate your insight. Some of this is a, um, a little like some people need to just get the book so that they can go back and, and go, okay, now what was that concept? How does that implement? What's God calling me to do? I think discernment's a very important part. Anytime you get into this kind of thing, you don't just run with everything you hear, but you go, what What are you trying to tell me, Lord, through this? But certainly, I, I do think, I mean, are you, are you at the end of the day optimistic that, that the church can change communities for the better? <laughs> Absolutely. Our God is faithful. Our God is powerful. Our God is true. Uh, we just need to lean in and listen to him more uh, in regard to our own context and the world today that we're ministering in. Yeah, I believe it too. Appreciate you. Thank you for your time. Appreciate all you guys out there. Mindthegap.com. I'm sorry, gomindthegap.com. Did I have that right? I'll put it on the screen. I can read it. Gomindthegap.com is the website. Sorry, Mind the Gap is the book. Uh, and if you if you want to get a hold of Clinton and uh, his consulting group. You can can you do that through gomindthegap.com? Is that yeah, absolutely. Yep. Okay. Just go to the website. Okay, uh-huh. good. Want to make sure people do that. And uh, most of all, let let's be the church. Let's do a good job at it because um, we are the war is already won. We just got to go out and fight the battle, and we got God on our side. So you kind of can't go wrong with that. Uh, if you know somebody needs to hear this. Uh, hit that share button and and maybe even your pastor say hey maybe you'll get something good out of this uh and and then how can i help how can i be better at being the church because we can do a better job appreciate you robert loretta everybody out there watching live if you haven't liked to follow or subscribe please do that we'll see you again next time here on life today live you're about to ask big i'm believing god for favor in my life above all that i can ask